In today's episode of the DIY Artist Podcast, I sit down with Carolina, who's a singer, songwriter, artist, and producer based out of South Florida. In an industry that is predominantly dominated by male representation, Carolina shines forth with her production abilities, coupling it with her songwriting abilities as well to cut through the clutter of an oversaturated market, allowing her unique perspective and eclectic songwriting abilities to shine forth. We sat down and talked about everything from making an income and a living off of your music, pursuing what really matters, and whether or not formal education is really beneficial when it comes to being an artist and pursuing it full time. So sit back, relax, listen, or watch this episode till the end. You don't want to miss a beat. You are now tuning in to the DIY Artist Podcast, hosted by Nico Santana. All right, everybody, welcome back to the DIY Artist Podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce our first, um, I don't know if I should say female artist, because at the end of the day, she's an artist and a great one at that. Um, And I wanted to introduce her with a little bit more backstory here. Carolina makes music to fuel the party and your soul. She's a singer, songwriter, musician, producer, performer, and actress based in South Florida. She has an authentic, soulful sound as an alternative pop and R&B artist and collaborates with creatives of all genres and calibers. She's actually done a couple of songs with my boy Impacts and they are phenomenal. Uh, she has established her craft from the ground up through training and expanding on experimental cre- uh, creativity. Carolina received her bachelor's of science in popular and commercial music at Loyola University in New Orleans while interning, this is great, with the Recording Academy's Grammy U program. That's actually really amazing. She's usually seen accompanying herself on the piano, guitar, drums, or ukulele. Her sentimental lyrics and expressive flows have allowed her to set no boundaries when it comes to connecting with an audience and adapting to all types of personalities. Her repertoire includes unique original arrangements, expressing her versatility and ability to perform and master various styles. Your most recent uh, accomplishments are having received five sync placements for TV and film, which is a huge feat. Uh, being listed as a top prospect in Music Connection magazine and being featured in NPR's All Songs Considered for her Tiny Desk Contest submission. Carolina, welcome to the DIY Artist Podcast. Thank you so much. I know that was a mouthful. I know. My bad. <laughs> no, no worries. You, ha- we, we have to toot our horn, our horns here. And honestly, like, I, I, so on the side, I do like video production, and um, I'm I'm very uh, humbled at the fact that I was uh, asked to do like a webinar series mm-hmm. for women's like career development. Mm-hmm. And this particularly affects women who are at risk for like impoverishment and stuff mm-hmm. in the Atlanta metro area. And one of the things that the leaders that was doing the webinar, she's like a senior vice president at an insurance company. She was mentioning how for some reason or another, uh, women kind of silence their own accomplishments, mm-hmm. right? And so to have the ability to like say, yo, I did this, this is what I'm about, like, and say it proudly, I think that's awesome and speaks large volumes into who you are as an artist and that you're confident in your artist journey. So more power to you. I think that's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. So how long have you been making music for? What's like your, I don't know, I guess your tenure in this game? Um, Yeah, I mean, technically, technically, I've been studying music since I was about 11. And, um, and then I think actually releasing music, I didn't release my first song until like my junior year of high school. Um, okay. So I guess if we're talking, you know, the difference between actually, you know, working on your craft and, and, and training and studying. And then on top of that, you have the actual, you know, involvement in the industry. So, um, mm. yeah, so it's a little bit spread out. But yeah, I've, I've been I've been doing it for, for quite some time, uh, it feels like at least. And, and I'm, I'm really grateful that I I took the approach right. I, I studied first and, and I trained first um, because that really, really has played a huge role in in the confidence that I have when navigating the actual industry. 
that's awesome. You have actual uh, like formal education in music and you have, I mean, internships that you've done the right thing. Do you think that that has helped your uh, professional music career or has it to a degree? And some people have said this um, like in different interviews. For example, I had a friend who said, yeah, I've heard people that have gone to like full sale, like it didn't actually like really benefit them. So for you, was the formal education route, was that something more of a, of a benefit? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm definitely not saying that, you know, to be successful in this industry, you need a degree or anything of that nature. But sure. definitely for me, it helped a lot because I mean, my first two years I didn't do in New Orleans. It was it was I was double majoring in exercise science and music. And then I realized after my first two years, I was like, I think I think I need to to if I really want to do this, I think I need to make a shift here. So that's when I decided to move to New Orleans. And I mean, being in school, not only learning like because the actual curriculum was exactly what I was looking for. It wasn't just songwriting and um, performance, which was amazing, but it was also business. It was also marketing and management and law classes. So things that will, you know, if you really take advantage of the resources that they're giving you um, for this education, uh, you know, things will work out for you. But on top of that, what really helped was building relationships and connections. Um, that was huge. So they would always have guest speakers come in and and kind of talk to the classes. And I was right after I, I introduced myself and I got their email and I followed up. So things like that, you know, you definitely have to meet halfway. You know, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, They'll give you all the resources and all the tools, but if you don't actually take that initiative to, um, to to follow up and connect and um, and you know have something presentable, then you know then it might not work to your favor. But I would say absolutely, you know, being being in that environment was extremely helpful. Riverside.fm is the best place to host and record your video podcast with insane recording quality from your video and your audio to being able to host a podcast with guests from around the world. Riverside.fm is amazing. I've been using them for pretty much all of the DIY artist podcast episodes and hands down, it's been an amazing experience. So the way that the platform works is Riverside.fm records the video and audio locally and uploads it directly onto the platform so you don't have the lag or the buffer or any of the compressed video and audio issues that come with recording on a platform like zoom so if you want to go ahead and get started with your video podcasting journey go ahead and use my code nico30 for 30 percent off plans and get started today yeah that makes sense i think i think you hit it dead on with taking what you're given and then actually executing on it and i've heard this said before and i don't know how true it is but you know some people older artists will say you know today's artists are, are, are filled with a sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, why, why aren't you giving me this position? I'm great and stuff. But it's like, if you're not executing, if you're not shaking hands with the right people or even just showing some sort of value, like why, like, what do you have to offer me? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it sounds like you took what you had available to you and you're like, I'm going to execute on it. I'm not just going to wait for the opportunity to like be presented to me, which, you know, says a lot about you and your success as an artist and your continued growth as an artist. So before you went to Loyola University, what what was the what was the path there musically? Did you start like performing? Were you already performing? What what was that like for you? Yeah, so when I when I first started actually singing, like I found an interest in singing, um, right away, but basically what what initiated it was actually my last year in elementary school. Um, my music teacher gave like gave me a solo and I was like 
huh? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I was always very athletic and I was like the sporty, you know, but, but I was like, oh, I never really thought about singing like that. And I guess she saw something in me. She pushed me. Long story short, from there, it ignited something. I immediately was like, mom, I need to take vocal lessons. I have wow. to. And from there, it consumed my entire existence for sure. So, so from the jump, you know, when I was taking vocal lessons, I joined these like little um, academies and stuff that actually got performance opportunities for us so when they felt we were ready to perform and of course it started with cover songs so you know there would be little events thrown throughout different cities um, in South Florida where I I grew up and yeah pretty much you know I I started performing right right through the right after I um, yeah started taking vocal lessons and then from there was musical theater so I also involved myself in musical theater that got me a lot of performance and acting experience as well so it really allowed me to kind of just go straight into it from from an early age i know that uh so i'm i don't okay so let me rephrase it my my wife says i'm not from south florida because i grew up in uh like palm beach jupiter area okay but everybody else says you know from from actual like outside of like mm-hmm. the the tri-county area mm-hmm. it's like no that's south, that's south florida so yeah. anyways i like to say that i'm from south florida. yeah yeah so definitely the south florida region mm-hmm. is not i mean there are some acts that have come out of of south florida um in terms of like the music scene though did you find being in that environment more of a hindrance or did it actually fuel your creativity even more and and have you found like a nice niche of artists and musicians there that you've like really clicked with um, that's, that's a great question. Uh, because I mean, I'm fortunate enough to like, right now I'm in a position where this is my home base, but, but I am able to travel when necessary. Um, at least, you know, as much as I can, you know, whether it's to LA or Atlanta or Orlando or New York, those are, mm-hmm. you know, places. Cause you know, you hear a lot of people say, Oh, you do music. Well, you need to get out to LA or New York. Sure. And I'm like, well, I mean, especially since COVID happened, um, Everything has so much adapted to be virtual or remote um, to where, you know, and of course it took a blow to everybody financially too. So there's a lot of factors. And I I personally think that you can make it happen wherever you are. But I do think at a certain point, you know, again, if if I wasn't in this position to be able to, you know, have these connections in different cities and have friends to stay with in different cities and travel and and make music, um, I don't know if if I would be able to say that you know, I can make it all happen here in South Florida because, you know, um, there is a really big difference in the scene actually too, even in each city in South Florida. So like Mm -hmm. the core of Miami is completely different than the the art district in Fort Lauderdale. Um, so I've definitely made a lot of relationships throughout the entire, um, region, but in terms of, you know, finding musicians that really understand and really get it, and really see the bigger picture, I, I don't know. I, I do feel like sometimes it is lacking in that area where, you know, I do have a very select group of people like that I work with, um, you know, whether it's songwriters or, you know, producers or even musicians. And you can kind of tell who really understands, like, what it takes, not just talent, but work ethic. You know, so there right. there isn't really people... I mean, and this is probably anywhere, maybe not just South Florida, but you have to have both. You have to have the full scope. You have to have the vision of like, this is not just, you know, don't get comfortable, basically. You know, you always kind of kind of looking to expand. I mean, it is pretty rare to find that here, in my opinion, because everybody wants to do this. And the, the industry is so oversaturated, in my opinion, now at least, um, especially with social media and a lot of the resources people have. Everybody wants to do this and everybody wants to do that. But 
you know, you have to be realistic. Um, again, not only with, of course, level of talent, but level of, you know, are you willing to work hard for it? And are you willing to, to see what it really takes to, to do this full time? Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I, I definitely, it does. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, that's what I've noticed at least. Um, but in terms of, you know, building relationships and people who are kind of open-minded to, to, you know, different performance opportunities and different partnership opportunities. Yeah. I think a lot of people are definitely open-minded, but, um, what it comes down to is, is the, like the realness of it, you know? Yeah. No, you said it there with, you know, with COVID, obviously it's kind of somewhat level the playing field, but, you know, I find it that, and you did this, right? You you moved out of South Florida for a time period mm-hmm. when you went to Loyola University mm-hmm. and, you, and you got exposure to different people and different groups and that sort of thing. And I'm sure you made some connections while you were there that have now translated to you being able to travel across the country mm-hmm. and had a similar experience. That's why I ask. And I know that like environment is a huge factor for people's success, right? Like it, it there's like a proximity principle that some people will say in the business world where if you want to get ahead or if you if you envision yourself in a specific role, like get close to the people that are actually executing mm. at least one level above you, no more than about two or three or whatever. Right. Um, and I guess, yeah, I personally just haven't seen that in South Florida. I've seen pockets in here and there and obviously like depending on the genre and that sort of thing, whether like you mentioned Miami, maybe like you want to be in the Latin genre and that's like your your niche or maybe like Lake Worth or, or even some other areas in South Florida where it's like more like trap and mm. like hard hip hop heavy, like, yeah. Koda, you know, Koda. Kodak Black and all those <laughs> yeah. guys. So, so, you know, it just depends, but you seem like more of an eclectic creative type, like you're, you're well-rounded, mm. you, 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 tr- you are not confined by one genre. And right. even uh, my assumption is you're Hispanic. So mm-hmm. even like not even doing music just in Spanish right. or at all, if in fact, and if, if that's what you want to do, like you could, you know, move through those, um, right genres and whatnot right Mm -hmm. so have you found that to be a challenge more so than uh like a i I don't know like a positive thing uh, the fact that you are very eclectic i don't think so actually um i think if it becomes a challenge or a or a conflict is is really just you know if if we're talking you know labels and like what direction Mm. do you want to go in type of thing but other other than that um you know in terms of performance and in terms of collaboration it's been so helpful because I've now been able to secure and be confident in my brand and my sound to where, of course, you'll hear a lot of artists say, you know, I don't want to be put in a box. But then when I listen to their music, I'm like, this is very, very much, you know, and that's, that's a beautiful thing, too. If you could find your niche and find your, you know, your crowd, that's that's great. Like, I commend you for that because that's important, um, you know, because sometimes when you can do it all then it's kind of like, well, what do you do? (laughs) Um, Mm. But, you know, for example, yeah, I I have a few songs in Spanish and I've been working a lot more, you know, with with just Latin collaborators too because, of course, you know, being in Miami, that's just inevitable. Um, So I am grateful for that because I can tap into those roots that I have. Um, But in the same light, you know, I've been... I've been to open mics or even just festivals or conferences where a majority of the acts are hip-hop and R&B. And then, you know, and they're using a track. And then I show up with my guitar to play some songs. And I'm like, well, I don't know how this is going to be. I don't know how they're going to respond to this. received? Yeah. Yeah, And it actually ends up working in my favor. I mean, people end up Mm. really gravitating towards that because... There's just a way that, again, from the training in which I've mastered my craft, and of course, I always have more to learn. I'm not saying I'm like, you know, but just in, in ways that I've 
I truly believe that I've polished my my craft and my ability to perform and captivate an audience that regardless of what kind of crowd you put me in front of, um, if we're talking live performance, I'll be able to, you know, tap into that. So even in a place that's majority hip hop and R&B, I can still show up and and and, and kind of cater to that. Whereas, you know, same thing at a, if it's an indie singer songwriter coffee shop, I could I could swing that too, you know. So it's it's a matter of kind of making it make sense because it can happen, you know, having mm. having multiple genres infused in your original music, you can make it happen. I think you just have to do it in a way where you execute it where it makes sense for who you are and it and you're not trying to conform necessarily. Mm. Um but yeah, I mean that that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about it. I'm going to pause it right there and give you guys a quick word from the podcast sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid.com is, in my opinion, the best place to distribute your music, especially if you're an independent artist. For $19.99 a year, you get to upload unlimited amounts of albums, EPs, singles, whatever it is that you want. Besides being able to distribute your music, DistroKid comes equipped with a bunch of features that make it easy to handle your music marketing. For example, there are a couple video generators on there that can be used for all different types of purposes. Vizzy is a music video generator that has different types of templates so you can have your music playing and the visualizer basically comes on plays your music throughout and you can download this particular visualizer upload it to youtube or instagram or wherever you want to upload your videos to sharing your music with not just the audio but a visual accompaniment so get started today distributing your music with distrokid and get access to Vizzy using my vip link distrokid.com forward slash vip forward slash nico santana for seven percent off all plans for your first year and again thank you to district kid for supporting independent artists worldwide now back to the podcast yeah one of my um one of my friends and and one of the guests uh, of this podcast uh Terrell, Terrell Burt mm. who is predominantly in the licensing game like Mpax mm. he's, he's he's friends with Mpax nice. he he mentioned something to me which I've I've kind of started to reflect on in my own situation where you know I like to tinker with different genres like I've done Spanish I've done reggaeton mm-hmm. I've done like Latin trap and then I come from predominantly like hip-hop because I never considered myself a vocalist to begin with but with technology anybody can sound good right right <laughs> um so with that said like he mentioned you know in terms of the tip the types of artistry that there are if you want to make it binary like that mm-hmm. there's the there's the label artist right who has and like you mentioned kind of fits in a box prepackaged. it's nice it's commercial it's marketable it can be consumed easily cool and then there's like the eclectic types and somebody like even i don't know if you've had a chance to watch the new genius documentary um kanye west's where because of the fact that he was so like out of pocket like he was so different than all the rockefeller roster Mm -hmm. like he had such a hard time breaking in and if he didn't have the production revenue coming in from that side he might have made a choice where okay i'm just gonna try to fit this type of person but he already had like financial security so it wasn't like he was trying to he, he wasn't forcing himself to do something based off of i need like the finances right now it right. was just like i want to do this because i love it and i'm going to be authentically me right and that worked in his favor but not everybody's in that position so what i'm trying to say is that with tarot he mentioned that like you know if you're in that position where you don't have as many options mm-hmm. go the licensing route because mm-hmm. there you can experiment with multiple genres yeah. like you don't have to have one defined sound you know you could be multiple types of people yep. too right because it's not coming from your artist brand it's just a licensing yeah. thing and yeah uh so I, I don't know i found some sort of consolation through that is that something that you've experienced with your licensing 
uh, opportunities or how have you kind of balanced the two, your own artist brand and like licensing? Mm. Yeah, that's um, that's another great question. So I, I did watch the Kanye documentary, by the way. Um, I just finished mm. the third episode and it was, it was very inspirational. And, you know, a lot of those moments really hit hard because you saw how hard he fought for what he wanted. Um, but in terms of sync and licensing, yeah, that is something that I believe um, a lot of artists are really starting to understand the opportunity that that lies there. Um, I was I entered into that world actually through a group called Music Makers. So I okay. I write with them, and um, you know they're the ones that really kind of got my foot in the door in, in terms of understanding what sync is, and because every album that they put out was per genre. So, wow. you know, they would send me tracks and I'd be like, well, okay, so, you know, what, what genre are you guys feeling or, you know, but then they, I would get, I would get the beats and, and I'd be like, okay, so each album is a different genre. So one would be EDM, one would be hip hop, one would be lo-fi pop, another one is Latin. So it's, it's pretty cool that they, they do it that way because, well, number one, I feel like if, if I didn't feel like it aligned with my artistry or my brand, I don't think I would have maybe done it. I mean, because you, you hear a lot of artists, regardless of what genre they do, you hear a lot of artists feature on EDM tracks as vocalists as it is, you know? So yeah. that was kind of how I was viewing it. I was like, okay, you know, I'm writing to some EDM records, but then it became, you know, pop and R&B. And I was like, definitely, I, you know, I would see myself releasing something like this. Um, but even in the instance, if that wasn't the case, I think that it's just a great opportunity to be able to experiment to be able to, I mean, use that as your leverage, use that as your excuse to yeah. like, I really can write to anything or I, I can release anything without confusing the listener. Um, because, you know, it all depends on your goal. And I think that the people who really ride with you and, and pay attention to your originality will love anything that you do. Um, and even if they don't love it, there has to be a good reason. Right. Mm. So, um, so I think that the sync world is is something that I will continue to to strive for for sure. I haven't yet actually sat down and been like, this is for sync, you know, unless I'm writing sure. for a company or um, or just happenstance, you know, I submit one of my al already written songs to one of these websites, these third party sites that kind of get you the licensing opportunities. Then by all means, if my music fits that that vibe, but as it is, the music that we create. Um, I mean, if it's, if it's really, um, I feel like if you create in mind, you know, a lot of, a lot of artists I feel and songwriters create with a storyline in mind, with a visual in mind and, um, the kind of music I make, I always love to, to paint that picture. And if you do that with your music naturally, then you have a great chance of getting locked in with some sort of sync agreement with a, with a music supervisor. So I definitely think the opportunity is there. And, and it, it, it can only expand you, truthfully. I don't think it could inhibit you in any way. Yeah, it, and I would say it definitely depends on the artist. Like you mentioned, like if if there's a, a one-trick pony and, and that's all they're good at and they're really good at it, like keep doing that. Like I've right. heard time and time and again, like Rick Ross is known for doing this one thing. When people approach him, he does it well and that's what we expect out of him and that's, sure. his, that's his thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like there are artists like you who are so good at multiple things whether it's instrumentation or arrangements or or even just vocal delivery that that it's you know sometimes it is hard to like pinpoint just the, the one thing that you're good at because you are so good at multiple things that uh that i could i could definitely see that as an advantage for you and like you said 
growing in different genres and different styles and experimenting here and there. I think mm. that the, that's definitely a, a huge benefit to, to licensing. Definitely. Yeah. Um, in terms of, so now moving into like monetization, mm. earning a living, income, <laughs> that that's clearly a challenge for most artists, definitely. right? Uh, including sure. myself. So how have you found a good balance if you found it or, mm. or what are some of the things that either are, are recurrent roadblocks, past roadblocks that you've been able to get over or things that you're just like, you know what, it's just not my thing. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on this instead for my livelihood. Yeah. So um, something that has been, you know, when, when COVID hit, uh, I took quarantine to really get good at music production because I'd always in my music creation, I'd always thought like a producer. And I knew like in my head I was I was doing some sort of production, but actually learning, you know, how to how to use a, a DAW and like a little like to a little bit more of an extent, you know, after school. You know, of course, I learned a few things, but I mean, like really getting into it. Um, that's helped a lot because now, um, like you just mentioned, Kanye started as a producer and then, you know, and then, of course, became known more as, as a rapper or both. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, with with the work that I've put in with production, I've actually been able to help like financially help myself do that. So as I've gotten better at it, um, you know, I've had clients, I guess you could call them clients or just really just other artists that, you know, that want me to produce music for them. So that's one way that has been really helpful. Um, another thing like I've done is kind of like mentoring younger artists or even, even um, like vocal lessons and instrument mm-hmm. lessons, just because I have that experience. Um, now, in terms of that being, like you just mentioned, you know, identifying when something's just like not for you. And because there's people that are out here hustling with like jobs, jobs, like, and then funding their music career with it. Unfortunately, right. like I, I can't see myself, you know, doing, you know, like, of course, you know, if, if I wanted to, you know, I would love to, you know, I think psychology is wonderful. Like it's something that would require a degree and I'm like, sure. you know, another degree. So with that being said, there are ways to do it. You know, there's, there's websites like sound better and, you know, I think it's like Upwork or Fiverr, you know, there's, there's different websites that definitely help, you know, if you, if you believe that you can freelance, you know, create a beat or create a track or an instrumental or record somebody, you know, basically using what you have. So taking what you're mm-hmm. good at, and understanding, you know, if you believe that you're truly proficient in this and you're you're worthy of being compensated for this, then put it out there. I feel like, um, you know, if that's if that's an artist's concern is like, man, I don't I don't want to have to work a nine to five and be super tired, but make a financial income. And then the rest of my night I'm making music. I'm not sleeping, you know, without it getting unhealthy at a certain point or draining you completely, because I've been there. Um, anytime I would try to do something full time that wasn't music or acting. I, you know, I felt it. It took a toll on me. I was like, okay, well, maybe I have more financial freedom, but now I'm completely depleted of energy and happiness. <laughs> so, nice, yeah. I, yeah, if I could say, you know, just take what you're good at in the actual arts and see where you could fit there. So, yeah, I've done things like, you know, vocal coaching, instrument coaching, mentoring, production for other artists. On top of that, um, you know, I was with an agency, you know, for my acting career. That helps too, nice. you know, um, getting jobs, commercial jobs, you know. So that's pretty much what it what it looks like when you're when you're doing anything in the arts full time, you know, where you're really not, where, where it's it's not an option for you to get a job that's outside of that or 
I would say it's an option, but maybe not not your first choice, you know? Yeah, yeah. I um I had a chat with um Ivan Calderon who's here at, based out of Tampa mm. as well. And he um he mentioned that, you know, he's a he's a full time producer. Mm-hmm. He does like YouTube on the side and actually I think YouTube is his primary source of income right now, nice. but he has clients, he does beats, like he has his own workflow, but everything is consistent with kind of the general framework of creativity and basing it around the foundation of I am a producer, right? And then mm-hmm. it all kind of like flows into that and out of that. Mm-hmm. I'm in a different situation myself. I definitely have mm-hmm. like my life very comp- compartmentalized where I have like a like a corporate job and I sure. do that full time and then I have this on the side mm-hmm. and then I've been making music for over 10 years yeah. in and out of jobs and stuff like that. So but but I, I I do hear you when you say like being able being in a position where you recognize your talents the the gifts that you have and not only that like your experience and mm. then being able to teach and educate other people mm. I think that's such a huge opportunity for so many artists yeah. and now with the internet like I, I I'm seeing it happen I've I've interviewed uh, an artist or two who are making relatively good income mm. being able to teach other people yeah now there's the the gigging artist, right, who who still goes out and of gigs course. and that sort of thing, and that's definitely like an opportunity there for anyone who wants to do cover songs or right. what have you. But yeah, ultimately, like, what's your hustle and what's going to feed or fuel the creativity? Because ultimately, right. like, we still have to have like a balance between the two, right? And for Kanye, like we mentioned mm-hmm. a few times in this podcast, it was production for a long time yeah. until his artistry was able to actually like take care of him and his bills and all that stuff. So right, right. that makes sense. So if people wanted to like contact you for teaching or consultation or anything like that how would they get a hold of you carolina yeah uh, i mean probably email would be the best yeah so cool. it would just be like carolina music at gmail.com um okay yeah probably i, I would say so yeah i mean because i'm as it is like i'm you know i love to just help people in general and and a lot of responses i get you know because when i started posting even those little videos on instagram you know this is how i got on this or that like people were like man you know coming to me DMing me like not a lot of saying not a lot of artists are doing this because you also have to be careful mm-hmm. when you're an artist and you're focusing on your brand like you also don't want to become that person that's just like go to them for tips because then you become that person right. you know so it, it, right. it's a balance and same thing with gigging like I'm very selective over my shows now because I'm a, in a position to be because of course I could play corporate and make money you know once a week twice a week but then I become the artist that's easily accessible at the bar and you know so it's really just about the frame of mind and the way that you look at it but there is opportunity and and yeah so um that's those are all great points for sure yeah yeah protecting your creative space and i've talked about that before it's like you can't you can't drain all your energy on things that are not you know efficient and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like not it's good for the short term but maybe it's not good for your long-term game right so that makes absolute sense totally awesome totally Carolina, I don't want to cut you off short, but I definitely want to give the audience an opportunity to either have have you come back on the podcast and impart more of your wisdom here or uh, even reach out to you and and potentially consume some of your content, learn more about you. So I'll link all of your information in this uh, podcast show notes uh, on YouTube and everywhere else the podcast is going to be consumed. I definitely want to appreciate you for your time and thank you for your talents and your gifts. Keep doing what you're doing because it's awesome and people are loving it. I definitely appreciate it. Um, any last words before uh, we leave? Oh no, just thank you so much for having me. I think this is this is a wonderful um, experience, a wonderful opportunity, and I, I appreciate you. And um, yeah, I just want to encourage everybody to just keep going, keep grinding. Absolutely, you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, again, thank you, Carolina, for joining us on the DIY Artist Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and listen where all uh, podcasts are available. And again, thank you to our sponsors, as always, DistroKid, for making this happen. Much love, guys. Hasta la próxima. Peace. Oh, 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 oh